There are spirits everywhere, watching, waiting, seeking that opportune time to reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds with so much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. Go away. Go. I, I got it. I got it. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Someone give me Brian Anderson. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward, along with a special segment, Oddities with John Mallard. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart. I'm your host, Kat Ward. You can find me on the second and last Sunday of each month on Podbean and YouTube. You can also find me on sparkradionet.org, New Lantern Media Network, and anywhere you find fine podcasts. If you enjoy the show, please show your support by telling others about us. Hit that like button, share, subscribe, and follow. This episode's shout-out goes to you listeners in Bulgaria. Thank you so very much for your support. Much love to you all. In episode 43, I am joined by a couple from the French Quarter in New Orleans. So you know they have some interesting experiences with the paranormal. Talking about vampires, spirits, aliens, and more, I introduce to you Chad and Alta. Hello, Chad and Alta. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure. And thank you so much for saying my name correctly. <laughs> it is Alta. People have the hardest time with it. Thanks so much for having oh, us. You're welcome. And uh, it didn't seem like a very difficult name to pronounce, but how, <laughs> how do people usually pronounce it? It's usually Alta and, oh. uh, or facsimile of that. And I grew up with a mother who was very specific to people. She didn't hesitate to correct them. <laughs> In fact, she raised uh, me calling me Al most of my <laughs> life. So, right. So, anyhow, thank you for having us and thank you for the pronunciation. You're most welcome. So, you are in the French Quarter in New Orleans. Oh, I can never pronounce Am I pronouncing that right? New Orleans? Uh, New Orleans? Yeah. I mean, uh, New Orleans. 
Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, there's uh, some people that say it different, but uh, not our much. Mayor, you know, instance. our mayor, for instance. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, she's not from here. Yeah, originally. she's not originally from here. Uh, so, but uh, you know, we just call it New Orleans or NOLA. <laughs> or NOLA. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that. That's neat. It's N O L A, New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah. Oh, it, okay. Kind of, yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah. So I understand and we you have. Ha- oh, go for a week. We have a week left. I know, and then you're moving. So it's wonderful to have a chance to talk with you all while we're still in the heart of it, with paranormal heart. Yeah, and hopefully we'll uh, get some EVPs. While <laughs> maybe some ghosties will decide to to share some ideas with us. Absolutely. Yeah, it, uh, it wouldn't be surprising. That's Not for at sure. All. Yeah. We, so you, we actually had one time we were fortunate to be being interviewed a couple of years ago by a guy, in, I, I think it was in Ohio, he was in Ohio, and while that's all, and this was all live uh, interview, for the first time that I ever remember in all the time Chad and I have interviewed, uh, there was growling that came really? across audio, and you could see he was on video, and his co-host was in another state, she was on audio and we were watching this reaction and that was very creepy very creepy very creepy but interesting really fascinating right so have you heard that growling before no ma'am i've had a lot of scary stuff yeah but but not that wow chad yeah no nothing i can remember well, hmm. well, that's good that you haven't heard it uh, before, hopefully since. <laughs> right. <laughs> we just keep saying, that's enough of that. And then also, around that same time, in a different interview, the only time that we that I can remember this happening again, where anything was picked up audibly, was we were being interviewed. Chad was talking at the time, and uh, uh, a male voice came across and repeated Chad's last words. Wow. And, um, yeah, that was very, and it's very distinct. There's mm-hmm. no question. The uh, host was editing, I guess, and that's when he realized, when he picked it up, and he sent it to us, and, oh, that's just crazy. <laughs> no kidding. That's, it was yeah. definitely not the host, and it definitely wasn't Chad. And I was the only other person. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a woman's voice, and it was yeah, it was very bizarre. So tell us a little That's bit all about since I've been here in Louisiana. Sorry. Okay, no, it's okay. No, I was going to say, tell us a little bit about the building that you're living in and the encounters that you've had there. So um, the story about the building that we're in now, uh, we're on the kind of the corner of uh, Royal Street and St. Anne. So we're right there in the middle of the, pretty much the French Quarter, the heart of it. Uh, just, we, you know, we can see the cathedral out our back door, you know, when we step out onto the balcony. So, but the story on this building is, this was back in the 30s, so it's more of a kind of a recent, uh, you know, modern time. Uh, it's uh, the story of the Carter brothers, and they lived or they lived here in this building 
I believe they worked in like a shipyard on the West Bank or something like that. Uh, but the story is that one day this lady goes out onto the balcony and she jumps off the balcony and she's bloody and I, I believe not fully dressed uh, and the police she's get running to up her. the road yeah, we're she's, on the second floor so yeah, second, bal- second, second floor second balcony, floor balcony. Mm-hmm. she hits the ground running she hits the ground running mm-hmm. so the police get her and mm-hmm. and they she brings them back here and they discover in are our they, apartment specifically yeah they they said that when they first went in that um they couldn't find anything but then they talked to somebody else in the building the landlord or something said no they have two apartments but when they went to the the, the second door it was all bricked up but then they discovered back behind this bookcase was a secret door into our apartment. Oh. And they discover like four or five people, uh, <clears throat> in some I think some dead, some still alive, and they were all tied up and they were draining their blood. So they, this was kind of a, more of a modern day vampire kind of uh, story. Uh, Eventually, they were, you know, arrested, uh, taken into the square, hung, you know, went to court and guilty and, you know, they were hung. When they went, they put them in the, the cemetery. Now, these are all, they, they have like the crypts here, you know, they're above ground where, you know, kind of like mausoleums mm-hmm. yep. or whatever you want. So, but then they go back. Uh, a year later, they they leave the corpse in the in the tombs, and then a year later they come in and they just kind of push the bones and the remains back into, and it drops down, and then they use the crypt again. Is what they traditionally was done back then. I don't know if they still do it that way, but I'm sure they do in some cases. Um, but when they went to go clean out the uh, crypt, it was empty and there's been rumors and people have uh, seen uh, their apparitions out on the balcony and walking around and stuff Uh, there's everybody that's lived in this apartment uh, hears like things going on up in the ceiling and stuff Uh, there's constant movement up there even in the middle of the night it sounds like furniture's moving around now there is someone living upstairs and he's got a couple of dogs there's an older but, man up there by himself with two small dogs yeah but what we're listening to every night since we've been here we moved here in march this particular apartment is we hear what sounds like tables huge wooden furniture being dumped or drugged hmm. or, and it's like we know that's not him, and we know it's not those puppies, and it <laughs> yeah. is constant. Well, we're picking up on all that immediately, of course, living here, but then we're learning that the tours that uh, are starting to kind of begin again because the French Quarter started to shut down completely in March. So tours have begun again all over the quarter, and quarter is about 13 blocks square, 
well, we're right on their main uh, tour line. So they bring these people over across the street looking up at our balcony constantly while the guide is now sharing with them about this event taking place with these brothers back in the 30s. But we're also learning in these experiences, listening to these guides, that it's reported about all this movement. And I'm like, no, that's just crazy because hmm. we're experiencing that every night here. Have you ever spoken to the gentleman upstairs? Yeah, he's we're, he's we're very friendly. friendly. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, Does he hear nice anything? I'm, I'm well, sorry. we've never gotten into any of those kinds okay. of conversations. Okay, uh, yeah. How, how do you do that, right? It's one thing about the tours that discuss this stuff, but I'm discovering, you know, people that we've been living around don't seem very interested in any of... I, I use the word high strangeness for anything paranormal. Mm-hmm. They don't seem particularly interested in having those conversations. So that's They're been kind of surprising to me. But who knows? Yeah, they're they're probably a little leery to talk talk about it, especially if if they don't really know the the people that they're talking to. Yeah. Sure. Like I said, we've become public, and we've taken a lot of uh, not near as much as I think I expected, but we've taken a lot of uh, razzing. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much verbally, but certainly people's behavior towards us or trying to move away from us, thinking it's catchy or mm, <laughs> so. Yeah. So we just don't. We haven't had a lot of that happening as far as engaged in those conversations, and I'm sad about that because it would be wonderful to be able to hear what everybody uh, else is experiencing. Yeah, or even what they've heard if they haven't experienced it. Just what's the word on the street, kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no. uh, uh, we did have some uh, one weird thing with Alta. Uh, we had a friend over, and we were kind of sitting on the balcony. El- Alta's kind of sitting in the doorway. We have these French doors that go out onto the balcony, and you know we're just kind of sitting out there and talking, and all of a sudden, Alta comes off the, the chair that she was sitting in, this is weird and terrifying. And, and just kind of, I mean, I, I kind of saw her out of the corner of my eye. And it like her head went down, you know, her chin, you know, down to her chest. And she just mm-hmm. kind of rolled forward out of this chair. Only it was more and, of a, the word is catapulted. Yeah. It I was, was catapulted yeah. out of that chair. Jeez. And with, no with force. I have no memory of this. She she her, she plants her face right there onto. Thank God that you know there's rails on the balcony where she would have just went right oh, off the balcony or through it. Yeah, I mean, but my head almost got caught between the rails on the of that railing. It's wrought iron, and uh, it was it was as if um, and I went unconscious. And when I'm coming to. Uh, I'm not recognizing Chad at all or our friend that's trying to help me and I could feel pressure pushing me down hmm. and it was mortifying because I knew that something seemed to be without sounding any crazier than I just sounded <laughs> uh, I knew I had been attacked yeah and I didn't that way I wasn't conscious enough about all that because I was badly hurt if it wouldn't have been that this stuff that had started here the um, the virus and the shutdown and the phases and the so on and so forth, I should have gone to the hospital, but I was not interested in getting there and not being able to get out. And I just decided I was going to work myself through that. But I had what looked like road rash across the top of my oh. head where I had been cut and scraped. Yeah. It, my temple had been pressed and my jaw. 
felt like it had been, and then I ended up with a black eye out of this mess. And it was, yeah, not something that I necessarily thought we'd ever say publicly, because that's the kind of stuff that makes you very uncomfortable about. No kidding. Either sharing and also having these experiences. But that is a reality, and thank God it only happened the one time. But it definitely did happen. Alta, do you remember if there was um, any smells or sounds, or was it a cold touch or a warm touch? Or do you remember anything like that that happened at the same time? No. No, hmm. What all that I do remember now, I, I admit we were having drinks, but we know the difference of how to drink and sober and <laughs> yeah. what have you. And uh, so... Chad and our friend were facing each other in lawn chairs. The balcony is very thin and uh, the width of it. So they're facing each other, having this, and I'm kind of right in the middle of it, set back a few inches up in the doorway. And uh, they were having a very deep conversation. And I was fascinated. I can't even tell you now what it was. But I was absolutely fascinated and I'm just kind of watching it. My head's kind of going back and forth like a tennis rack, you know, match where the mm -hmm. following the ball. Great. And uh, that's all that I remember. Next thing I know, I'm trying to get up off of that balcony face down, and I'm very badly hurt, and I'm wow. scared. That's all that I remember. Yeah. And how long ago? How long ago? This uh, I can't talk. Sorry. Did this happen? Probably April. Okay. March, April. We wow. moved in here in March, and it was yeah. relatively soon after we moved in. How are you now? It come along just fine. Thank you very Good. much. You know, <laughs> Good. it's been it's been uh, it's been that's been a very strange because everything that's ever happened to us, to the best of my knowledge, up until now, has not been with memory uh, physically harmful. Mm -hmm. Certainly emotionally terrifying, but physically not harmful. I don't like being hurt. I don't know anyone no. who does. And uh, that was vicious. But whatever that was about was clearly vicious. Do you and, have any... Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, was... I was just going to ask you... I had no control over that, and, we don't, and I don't have any memory yeah. of anything um, out of the ordinary happening to lead into that. So hmm. a minute I'm in that chair listening to a deep conversation. Next thing I'm catapulted because, again, this is Chad's memory because he's seeing me, my head down, go down, and then he's just seeing me. He said I rolled. But when it originally happened, I felt like there had not been any time from moving that chair to getting that rail. And he confirmed it. He, both of them, they couldn't believe how fast this happened. They had no time to react, to try to stop that fall. So, terrifying. It was, it was absolutely. That black eye was, Chad and I are 30 years together. I've never had a black eye, and that was <laughs> real strange. Trying yeah. to, thank goodness at the time my shop that I work in was closed down because of the virus. So mm -hmm. got to heal at home and not had to tell anybody or try to explain anything. Do you have any feelings or any suspicions what entity would have done that? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you right. think? I'm just wondering if there would have been like the brothers, or if there's something else. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say, really. Yeah. Hmm. We're not well, much of speculators. 
Yeah. Um, you know, we just, as crazy as all of this might sound to folks who are, who are hearing us for the first time or in, now most have never heard what we've just shared with you. Um, but for the, we've been interviewing for the last few years and, you know, it would seem that when we're asked specifics, Chad has his thoughts and I usually don't have any when it comes to the answers because I'm convinced they don't exist. That's just my, again, personal take on this. Mm-hmm. What other experiences have you had there? In, in this apartment, that's about, well, just kind of the I weird I had a shadow sound. experience. Yeah, there was a shadow. a month ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, a shadow something something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sitting right where I'm sitting right now, our apartment is like two very large rooms, a bathroom separately, small kitchen. We call it the kitchen grotto. Um, <laughs> And uh, and then an area where there's a couple closets and a fireplace. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea. There's not a lot of space. And mm-hmm. I have access from where I'm sitting in the living room right now at the end of the couch. There's two great big wooden doors that are like... Um, French, what are, French shutters, French doors or mm-hmm. shutters. You know, they kind of open. Yeah. And they're very, very tall to ceiling. I mean, floor to ceiling. Big, massive wood and they have beautiful. Chad just took pictures the other day of uh, the the uh, old fixtures, the hand, the handles, the and locks, the locks and stuff. Oh, nice! They look like something out of the 1600s. So anyhow, we keep those open during the daytime. We shut them at night because mm-hmm. that divides us off from the balcony area where it used to be very noisy. And so we sleep beautifully in this room with these doors shut. Well, the doors are open most of the time. So point is, is I'm. I've got perfect access to a wall that is right off of our bathroom from where I sit. Had the light on in that area, and it was just perfect lighting, and all of a sudden I looked. It started off, uh, as I think it does often, with sort of peripherally, but it seemed like I had already turned my head uh, to the right and was looking directly at that wall, and that wall's painted right now in ivory-colored, so the background was perfect for the setting, and I saw a massive shadow go across that wall and Chad was here when it happened and I said it out loud because he didn't see it but that just happened like I said about a month or so ago and uh, that was very distinct so I knew something something was mm-hmm. did you was maybe, it just a shadow or were there any uh, de- uh, any features or any details could you tell what kind of clothing oh no 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 it was just yeah. a massive shadow, shadow. Mm-hmm. that went across, almost like, you know, like a, you know, the only way to describe it is what I said. It was, you know, dark. It mm-hmm. was almost the size of the wall, but not completely. And I could still see other areas of the wall. And it just seemed to start low, um, but not really. It wasn't like it grew. It just seemed to be maybe coming out of the bathroom. I don't know. That door is right there. But it just went across the wall. And it felt very intentional, like I was supposed to see that. Yeah. So how how did you feel when you saw that? Oh, I just went oh, <laughs> because we have friends that have, that live here that um, well, they actually have a home and their their land house is in Mississippi, mm-hmm. and that's uh, I don't know how many hour drive, four or five hour drive from the border, and they rent an apartment, 
they have a condo here in the quarter that they use as their getaway. They're, they come to, back when it was alive and happening, you know, they would come here often. Now it's not quite as often, but anyhow, they shared a story with Chad. Chad met them way before I met them. Chad, what are yeah, some they, of those stories? They have uh, shadow a shadow, people. yeah, a, sh a couple of shadow people, and one wears the top hat, and you know, it's very distinct. It looks mm -hmm. like a, you know, turn of the century or whatever century type of clothes, uh, mm -hmm. you know, with like a top hat and like a coat. Uh, they 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 smell uh, the cigar and um, perfume uh, around sometimes, especially in this one corner. I guess uh, that they say it's you know busy. very busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hmm. always smells like you know like the cigars and all. Right. Uh, yeah, that so there's there's so many stories here in the French Quarter and. In one of our first apartments was above the Voodoo Temple. Now this was back in 1995. Five. Five. Yeah, 95 is when we moved here. And our first apartment was above the Voodoo Temple, and it was on Rampart. And so, and out to be a Native American, you know, the drums kind of, you know, brought us in, and we were listening and stuff. And then we saw that they, were, they had an apartment for rent, so. Yeah, we moved right in. Uh, you know, we didn't know anything about hoodoo or voodoo and all that we didn't kind of know stuff. Anything. Yeah, we were green. We were as green as <laughs> green could be. So when it came to all but, of that. You know, I was we, raised in a native world with, with uh, my traditional regalia and dancing and powwows oh, nice. and so on and so forth. Yeah, Chad was raised in a Southern Baptist world in Arkansas originally, and very uh, country on in many occasions and very city and other occasions, but. We didn't know nothing about that movie. Yeah, so we move into that apartment, and you know it was intriguing there for a while. For a second, for yeah. a second, you know, <laughs> but then we kind of you know decided to you know put a little distance between that, and so we're we're living there, and this was probably like the first or second week that we were living there. Uh, I'm going to. We're going to bed, and in the middle of the night, it felt like there was something crawling on my chest. So I reach up and and scratch, and this happened like four or five times throughout the night. Now, you know, if it was something crawling around, it would wouldn't be in the same exact spot every time. Mm -hmm. So, and when I woke up, I you know I dug a couple layers of skin. You know, Ooh. I dug. So I get up and I go to work. I don't say anything to Alta. And I just get up and get dressed and, you know, go to work. Uh, I do my, my shift for the day. And throughout the day, this vision, it wasn't like a dream. It was more like a vision or a memory came back to me. And I remember this very short-statured, African-American looking, you know, darker skinned person, very short um, afro. Um, he, I, all I could see was his, like from his chest up, from his waist down was kind of like a mist or a fog kind of thing. Hmm. He didn't, he, he didn't have a shirt on or anything. 
Uh, he had some like hemp bracelet or hemp uh, necklaces and stuff like that on. Uh, but he would take his finger and like he, you know, I'm laying on my back. He was horizontal above. He's Chad. horizontal above, me and you know, kind of floating in the air above me. And he would take his finger and tickle me right there on my chest, like right around my heart area. Oh wow! And so I'd go up and I would scratch, and he would pull away. And, you know, I'd kind of wake up and he would fade away. And again, this happened four or five times throughout the night. Hmm. So I get home and again, out to be a Native American, I grab, you know, her smudge bundle mm-hmm. and her, yeah. her abalone and her, 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 her feather, you know, her uh, fan. And I'm like going through the house, you know, all right, I don't know what's going on in here. I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on. I said, I said, you don't have to go anywhere. I said, just leave us alone. You know, just yeah. don't mess with us. You know, I said, I'm going to paint the house, and we're going to have us a nice little apartment here. We'll keep it clean, and we'll just get along, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, never never had any more issue uh, with that anymore. Uh, a couple of months later, another couple moved into an apartment down below us, and they had been married by the voodoo priest who had recently died before we moved in so I think he died like four or five maybe months before we had moved in if that long hmm. and so they're pulling out the um, their pictures of their wedding and uh, and so she goes and this is priests and I can't remember his name priest such and such and they show me this picture and I'm like uh, uh, no way. I'm like, <laughs> and so I tell them the story I just told you. Yeah. And, and they're like, well, that makes sense. He was kind of a trickster. He would, he would test you to see if you were worthy to be hanging around in his space. And, and by the way, that was his old apartment, you know, because the voodoo priest <laughs> and the voodoo priestess didn't mm-hmm. quite get along and they just kind of stayed together, but had different, you know, apartments mm-hmm. uh, in the same kind of courtyard area. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty wild that we had a few kind of experiences in that apartment. I had, uh, again, not long after all of this was happening to Chad, I had a, well, before I say so, we had various assortment experiences called, um, I don't get into too much of the language to me. It's just all crazy and high strangeness, but that business of money disappearing and then coming back Mm -hmm. in very Mm -hmm. weird places such as it'd be all wadded up cash wadded up and I'd be dumping out the laundry and getting ready to fold it and it would fall out and and knowing that that's not how where that money had been put yeah just that kind of weirdness I think people used the the word poltergeist it seemed like a lot of this kind of stuff was happening to us and then uh, and then I had a very intense uh, time slip time shift, don't know what else to call it, a very crazy experience. Without, you know, boring you in all those details, I will just say this, that it would seem that in my encounter, what was happening to me was I did feel that at the end of the encounter that I was in the presence of, in this case it happened to be three, um, young females that maybe in their teens, late teens, what have you, that were all standing in my apartment that were African-American looking 
And to be quite honest, there was no doubt to me I was in the presence of slaves that mm. had lived on that property back in the, property was 300 years old, so the slave quarters still existed in the courtyard behind us. Those slave quarters were adorable, meaning they had been converted from that hell into adorable, physically adorable uh, efficiency apartments. Mm -hmm. And uh, But again, energy is energy. Yep. And so what I was convinced I was experiencing were three females in particular. They were in very, very tattered dresses, clothes, like barely clothing, mm -hmm. extremely emaciated looking. Um, uh, ratty, crazy hair, like it had never been touched, uh, and uh, the most beautiful smiles I'd ever experienced in my life, I felt at that time. All three of them were just a couple feet in front of me in my living room, smiling at me like I had never experienced before. They were reaching out their arms at me, their hands, and they were all in the happiest sounding tones talking about wanting to touch me. And they just wanted to touch me. And they wanted to be close to me. I started to move towards them and then everything changed. But I, I just really truly felt as if I was experiencing females that had maybe lived on that property back in the day as slaves. Wow. They, they probably knew that you could at least sense them and maybe that's why they were drawn to you. It was such a bizarre experience because, as I said to you, it was a time slip. That apartment, it was the apartment we were in, but it looked like it was back in the day. Oh, it wow. Was, it was dusty. It was dirty. It was old. It was feel, it had a sense of decrepitcy kind of feeling about it. Mm -hmm. It was felt ancient. And, I'm yeah, sure. it was just, it was, you know, just like all the rest of this High strangeness, high strangeness. Cynthia Sue Larson would probably love to hear that uh, that encounter. Hmm. I pray wow. she does someday. That's a lovely woman. Ah, she is. I haven't spoken to her in a while, but yeah, she's uh, she's amazing. Absolutely. Is that the only time uh, slip you've ever had? I'm sorry. Is that the only time slip you've ever had? Well, I have a history of childhood of no memory. My memories don't start until I'm about nine. Really? And then my beginnings are very bizarre in memory. And so, you know, again, those questions are, I, I don't even really quite know how to answer. I'm just accounting specifically right now about living here in the quarter. Mm -hmm. Our beginnings here in the quarter was so interestingly strange. But our beginnings in Louisiana, if you don't mind, I'll back up real quick. Of course, go We on. moved yeah. to Louisiana originally in 1994. We were living probably an hour or so away from New Orleans in another community. Uh, the short story is it's daylight. Sun had not settled yet. Chad and I were driving from this little farm community, swamp community we lived in, to the neighboring town <clears throat> that was fairly good size. It had a university or a college and, you know, what have you, uh, several thousand people. It wasn't like it was a farm community, but we're driving there to go have dinner. And while we're driving in, probably a Friday night traffic, lots and lots of traffic, they have a supersized Walmart. But we're starting to come around the bend where that Walmart is. Chad's driving on passenger, and off on my side is that Walmart area. Above it is a UFO 
that is larger than that supersized Walmart and parking lots. Now, that happened to us in daylight. That did happen to us. And neither one of us had experienced anything like that before. And it, I would have to say, began to change everything about us. We'd already had strangeness in the beginnings of our relationship, but we come to find out, you know, in 1994, moving to Louisiana, that was our first, what I would say, definitely be an encounter of aha moment and chad saying aha aha moment yeah like wow you know it's because then it was relatively short after that experience we moved then to the french quarter i might add also so i don't sound like i'm just jumping all over the place (laughs) but that apartment chad mentioned to you above the voodoo temple Mm -hmm. we'd already been experiencing a lot of high strangeness the priestess and chad and i didn't settle well with each other. There seemed to be conflict. She had a lot of people who, you know, would do her bidding, if you will, and we felt threatened. There's just no other way to put it. And uh, so it it was necessary to not live in that environment any longer. We've been there long enough to move on and get on with life. So an amazing apartment because somebody out there loves us became available for us that we could afford because it is very expensive to live here in the Mm. French Quarter. So this other apartment that was just beyond belief became available and it was more in the heart of the quarter and that's where we moved to. A lot of high strangeness there as well, but the apartment above the Voodoo Temple, you all can look up. They have made documentaries about it. A lot of the ghosty shows have gone to this apartment and uh, they're gonna make movies about this. And it was 10 years after we lived there in Katrina, we were there in 95, 2005, Katrina hits, the hurricane, and a young couple that lived in our apartment 10 years after we did, uh, decided they became somewhat infamous because they decided to stay instead of being evacuated. Well, they both were very heavy drinkers and drug addicts and also bar people and young and Fairly well known, I guess, here in this community. And liked. And liked, as Chad is saying. And liked. And uh, no children, my understanding, no pets. And the bottom line is, they're called the Zach and Addie story. And what you would discover is that he murdered her in our apartment. He cut her up into pieces. He put part of her in the oven. He put part of her in our refrigerator. And the other parts of her were cooking on top of our freaking stove. He left her in our bathroom tub for 12 days, murdered, while he went off and lost his mind, drinking and drugging everything he'd get his hands on, apparently. Then he went up to one of our fancy hotels here, to the top floor, the balcony. The, yeah, it's a, a the rooftop. rooftop bar. He partied. And then he just casually, our understanding, walked to the edge and jumped. Oh. When he hit the ground several stories down, he'd already pre-written a note telling everyone, telling the detectives, go to this apartment number, and then he confessed that he did this. When they got to our apartment, there's graffiti and all manner, feces and blood and you name it, it sounds like, written all over those walls about his insanity and what he did, and they found her in this condition. It is, it is horrendous. 
Now, they didn't live in your apartment, did they? Yeah. It was our apartment. Oh, okay, yeah. They yeah. lived, they oh, lived wow. in the same apartment we lived in 10 we years later. 10 years prior. Okay. That's not the apartment you're in currently, is it? No. No. Okay. This was in 95, and yeah. we moved to this apartment in 2000. We've had a lot of life in between, but we moved to this apartment March of 2020. Hmm. And it's just the convenience, it's the bizarreness of our lives that we'd end up in two apartments in this community of this kind of bizarreness and worthy of movies and people paying money to go on these tours to talk about our apartments. That's amazing. It sounds like there's so much history and activity from that building. Well, yeah. we're not in the same building. These are different buildings, but you're right. Yeah. In either one of those occasions, <clears throat> these experiences. Yeah. I yeah. I worked on a uh, at a bar. This was again back in you know the late '90s. I worked at a bar on Bourbon Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and I just finished my shift. Uh, Alta had just gotten off work, and then I think one of our buddies had just got off work. And the late night bartender, he was his name was Freak. But he was like a philosopher, you know. He's just this old guy with the like beard in a hotel, mm -hmm. and you know, just he was just this awesome guy. And you could talk. We could t we we sat and just talk with him all about all kinds of stuff, you know. He appreciated intelligence. Yeah, he. Too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't like he was just some kind of Much crazy bartender. Or, right. You know, he he was really cool. So. Mm -hmm. But we're all sitting there at the bar, and we're, you know, in this deep thought. And I've got, like, my, my arms, you know, up on the bar, you know, leaning up up against the bar, sitting down. And all of a sudden, it felt like somebody came up behind me and put their arms on my shoulders. And even my the, the bar still kind of moved back, you know, because the floor was not even, you know. So, and I turned around and looked, and there was nothing there. Oh. And so I went back and I, you know, put my arms back on the, and, you know, get back into the conversation, you know, deep, and it happened again. And so this time I jump up, you know, thinking it's one of the other waiters or something, you know, messing with me and then jumping mm -hmm. out into the courtyard and hiding, you know. So I jump up and I'll go out and I'll look out in the courtyard. There's nobody, you know, like running or laughing or, you know, because, you know, I mean, if. I could feel pressure, you know. Mm -hmm. So about 15, 20 minutes later, the female manager, she starts coming down the stairs from the uh, office upstairs. Uh, there was also a dance club up there. So she was coming from upstairs to downstairs. Well, she said she got pushed down <laughs> the stairs. Jeez. Um, she said that she didn't go down all the stairs. You know, she was able to catch herself, but she, you know, she got pushed mm -hmm. so but the story is that the ghost the spirit whatever you want to call it that uh, does that um, building mm -hmm. that is present there they said he's a it's a female and she always uh, flirts with the guys and pushes girls down the stairs and it, for that to happen in within like 15, maybe 20 minutes of each other was kind of very strange. Mm -hmm. So, wow. yeah, I'd always walk down the street in the French Quarter, and I'd hear my somebody like in the distance going, chat, chat. Right. 
but it was like it was in my ear but it was like they were down the street and I turn around and look and you know nobody's waving nobody's Mm -hmm. I didn't see anybody I'd know or anything you know nobody calling my name so yeah the, the French Quarter is alive you know even though it's dead out here right now because of there's no traffic, but mm-hmm. there's, there's one more to share with you. It's still interested about, you know, all these other various things going on. This is secondhand to Chad and I. We were told this by the guy that it had the experience, but he doesn't talk this stuff. So when he does talk this stuff, we take him very seriously. And he, cause he trusted Chad to share it and then shared with me cause it was just so powerful. Mm-hmm. We have a, we have a place here uh, called Louisiana kitchen pizza kitchen chat and uh, it has been around for quite a while and it's just a wonderful uh, pizza place and back in the day and I'm trying to think because we lived here originally in 95 to 97 we left for a few years we returned again in 2000 and then left again in 2001 had a 15 year break from here came back originally in 2016 and now we'll be leaving next week, leaving state again. So just to give you sort of our history here, back in when we moved here in 95, uh, it seems like this happened maybe in 97, somewhere in that range, time range. There was a terrible, all of it is terrible, but a horrendous slaughter of employees in that Mm. restaurant. It was an inside job Mm -hmm. and when management and help or opening that place up that morning uh, I think it was a couple of guys put them all in the freezer you know order them all in the freezer and slaughtered them all Jeez. and it was just unbelievable and so now you fast forward from 97 or whenever that was that slaughter to 20 present 20 right I was just trying to think exactly 2019 last year Chad we we moved back and we got another friend and he happens to be part-time working at that place. Chad, share with yeah, him what he told a, you. He's a waiter there yeah. and he said that where when they take the pizzas and put them up on the, like the heat lamp or mm-hmm. the bar there, they said that sometimes they're not, they don't just fall off no. the bar. No, they fly. they fly off the bar. Oh, wow. Like six, seven feet. You know, Why? like Why it's something pushed it. You know, <laughs> yeah. he said. You know, I mean, and it's it's a big size bar. It's not like it's yeah. tiny where it's just gonna you know fall over. Just imagine mm-hmm. flying. You know, pizzas. yeah, it's flying pizzas. You right. know? And he said it's happened many of times. He said where uh, after the murder and everything, they changed the, the kitchen around and stuff, <laughs> and moved the walk-in freezer, refrigerator, <laughs> whatever it was, and. But he said it's still cold in that one spot where oh, wow. the old walk-in is. He said yeah. it's it, and <clears throat> the creepiest that gets to me. Bumped. That was creepy enough, yeah. but it was the bathroom part. Oh yeah, it. the bathroom thing. Uh, he said that um, he was coming out of the restroom and um, he grabbed a um, a um, paper towel, paper towel, you know, folded up paper towel. He grabbed it. Well, the door kind of caught him. And uh, his arm before he could get his arm out, mm-hmm. and he said he dropped the paper towel. So he opened the door back to get the paper towel. He said it was folded back up, nice and neat, oh, right oh. there back on the uh, on the stack. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Grief. Oh it's like not not even like, you know, just didn't fall on the ground. It didn't, you it's know. Refolded. Yeah, it was refolded, re-sacked, and everything. Flying pizzas and refolded <laughs> hand towels. I kind of would so, like to have something like that here to do my laundry and put it away. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be nice, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you're gonna hang out, you got to pay rent or yeah, something. You know, right. do do some chores. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had a house once where um, it was an older gentleman, uh, the previous owners that that was still in my house, and he would turn the uh, the heat on every night, and uh, like just put it, just crank it, and it was so hot in the house. And finally, yeah. after a few times, I'd stand there and I'm like, okay, enough is enough. You're not paying for the heat. I am. <laughs> like you can stay, but just stop. And it stopped, but it's like, good grief. I should have told him to do the laundry. <laughs> yeah, really. Right. Wow. Dishes. So, yeah. so most of most that seems to have happened here in the quarter mm-hmm. has been sort of that flair, if you will, and feel and taste more what I would consider the more normal, whatever that means, paranormal mm-hmm. kind of stuff happening. I think expected by most, and there's been so much history and reported and shows and whatever about yep. this place. You know what? What we're so grateful for you having us on to share with you is back in 1997. We've already been primed, and that's the only way I know how to say it. In '94, by seeing that big UFO that was, you know, just seemed to be stopped in the sky. Um, so that was in 94, so you fast forward now. We're having all this other high strangeness taking place that we've shared some of it with you. In 1997 is, you know, just an experience again that was so profound that we've written a small book about it. And we got that published in 2017. I guess it was 20 years later. It took us 20 years to get that all together. And oh, wow. be able to afford to try to get it done properly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, uh, it's a very small book. It's a very easy read, we're told. And, uh, but we created the tight, the word for the title and we would like to just air that if we might. Of course. We've called this book Orbducted in the French Quarter. And that's literally what happened to us in 1997. It was Chad and I and another woman. She happened to be my manager in the shop that I worked in at the time. Mm-hmm. She was at the time she was 24. Chad was uh, Chad's 10 years younger than I am. Sorry, I didn't say anything. It, it was just oh. echo. I was hearing. Oh, oh is that what it is? Yeah. I, I was hearing something in the background. I'm thinking ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was kind of hoping. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you just never know. Yeah, I if know. it starts growling, I'm out of here. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'll be talking to you out on the street. <laughs> so, so uh, anyhow, she was 24 at the time. Uh, I had just turned 40, and Chad was 30. Give you age range perspective. I was the old girl of the bunch. <laughs> Our friend, we have renamed her in the book, uh, Christine or Christina. She had never been married and had no children at the time. Chad and I have never had children. We have been married since, we've been together since 1990, married since 1991, so this is 97. So we had never been out in quarter with each other before our friend and myself. And so this particular night, she'd asked me if I wanted to go out after work. 
and just stroll the quarter and eat and drink and be merry. I needed it very badly. We've had a lot of uh, sadness happen to us just prior to this. So I tell her, let's call Chad. At the time, our apartment, our townhouse was only a couple blocks from my shop. So again, quarter's about 13 blocks square. Everybody walks. You don't drive here. Or at least back in the day, you definitely didn't drive here. Our friend lived on the other side of the river. She had to either drive or take a cab or we had a ferry hmm. at the time. Now, those ferries have all since stopped, again, due to this virus. But that was transportation from the other side to the quarter. On that particular day, she chose to drive her car. Kind of unusual, but that's what I remember. She drove her car that morning. She parked her car up the street from the shop. So that's all very significant to that night, that story, the story that we're going to share here. Mm. She, so we call Chad and tell him, come meet us at the shop. We're going to go out for the evening. Well, he's not hesitating. We love a party, and Chad loves to be with girls, and girls love to be with <laughs> Chad. And so we're just going to go make a night of it. So he meets us at the shop uh, somewhere around 9.30 is when we walk out the door at p.m., She's management. She's got the keys. So remember, it's around the time frame, and she's locking the doors. And I remember as soon as we stepped out of the shop, I made an unusual statement for me. I said, and it's very simple, but it was very real. Wow, the energy feels weird. It feels weird out here. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just not something I walked around and normally did mm-hmm. that I remember in the past. But it definitely felt strange. I just don't know how else to describe that. I remember they both acknowledged that. That's all we said. Off we went. So we have to walk a few blocks to get to the famous Bourbon Street. We're going to start on one end of Bourbon and just work our way across the border and just go wherever we choose. We decided to start off at that place Chad just told you about where he got leaned on and mm-hmm. girlfriend got pushed down the stairs. He had worked there at the uh, prior, so we knew everybody, the owners, the bands, the bartenders. That had a big, huge restaurant in a courtyard that had a wait staff as well. So we're going to start there. Well, we remember as soon as we got to Bourbon, there was no doubt about it. We're looking around, and I remember saying something to the effect of, where is everybody? Where is everybody? And, Chad? Right. You know, I mean, even... On a slow day, there's people. And it seems like it was in September. Yeah, yeah, it was in September. This is our anniversary of when this happened. Yeah, Hmm. right. September is notoriously somewhat slower. Yeah, it's somewhat slower, but there's always. Always. I mean, Bourbon Street, you know, doesn't close 24-7. You know, it doesn't close. And, you know, with one bar bar closes, you know, the next one, next door is open. You know, it's. And for most, uh, and a lot of bars, you know, they might just close for an hour just to sweep up and mop and clean, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's always musicians on the streets, and there's always, back then, there's carriages. Yeah. And so we get to that street, and we don't see people. Yeah, it was like. There were stragglers. Yeah. But barely. people, but, I mean, it's kind of like it is right now, you know, because of, you know, the The shutdown and everything. Right. And. We get to that. Club, we get that we bar. get to the bar, and we get there, and there's only like one guy there, and then the he's floor, the manager. This is a three-story you know? place. Yeah, this is this has hmm. got you know the nightclub upstairs, the Has kitchen restaurant and and you know restaurant. then the bar and 
usually the bar downstairs, you know, it opens up onto the street and they've got the band playing and, you know, we're expecting to go in and, you know, see Tommy playing the drums and, you know, the band and, you know, go see. The bottom line is there's nobody. Nobody. There's one person who happened to be the manager that we knew. And so we're like, wow, why is it so quiet tonight? Where is everybody? Where is it? He's like, yeah, because I sent everybody home. It was so dead. He goes, hmm. I just sent everybody home. And so. So we he, spent a minute there. Yeah. And then we decided to move on. I'll just kind of move the story <clears throat> along. We decide, okay, well, we're going to go find a party somewhere because this is what we're determined to do. Hmm. And so the bottom line is, is it took us, we stopped at a couple more places along the way. And it's the same story. There's not a patron in any of these places. There seems to be one human being a manager, an owner, a bartender, whatever they're called, and nobody. So we're not staying anywhere. We're just going in long enough to go through this experience, and off we go. We get to the other end of the quarter, and we're now going to go to our our favorite that we would go to a place that we'd go to on our days off when we wanted to go out. We didn't do it a lot, but when we did want to, we'd go to this place, and it's called the Dragon's Den. And it happened to be a second-story balcony above a tea, uh, Thai uh, restaurant. Thai restaurant. Hmm. And so this place was just wonderful. It had a small balcony. Um, it looked very exotic somewhat inside, pillows on the floor and, you know, something that's a lot more common now. But this was, again, back in 97. Big, huge black drapes, if I remember. Right. Dark, well, the, the Yeah, very gothic-y, very kind of... And uh, dark and pretty. Red and, and black and... and big huge mirrors and just an amazing place though that you always knew you were welcome and you always felt at home and the music the little combos that we play we were friends with and they were very good and extremely entertaining so it was always a wonderful time didn't matter what time of year not on this night so you have to go up some wood stairs if I remember correctly to get up into the door to go into this place I don't ever remember that door being shut at the top of those steps, but on this night that door is shut and there's a sign and it basically says they want a cover charge. What? That's a first. We've been here years, never been put through this. What? What is going on tonight? The three of us in our very kind of trying to clean up my language, just, you know, sort of (laughs) woofy attitude, just turn around and Basically, as we're grumbling our ways down the stairs, saying, we've never done that. We're not about to start yeah, We now. tip the band. We don't have to. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're just grumbling our way down the stairs. And back out on the street, we're going. By this time now, we've been everywhere. There's nothing, and you're just so exhausted. We're not thinking high strangeness, or at least I'm not. I'm just and, thinking, well, what the hey is going on? So we decided we're going to make one more attempt, and it's a little club that's across the street from this place. Now you have to pass a fire station that's on the corner. I don't remember ever seeing no firemen around. I don't remember seeing lights on. I don't remember any of that. I just know that we walked past that fire station, crossed that one street to go to the last club. That place is called Checkpoint Charlie's. It's a big old dive. A dive. But it's the dive that all the locals would use as well as the famous bands when they just wanted to hang out and not be celebrity they'd go there and they put on three gigs 
So it was a treasure. If you knew, it's kind of that stuff you learn, you know, when you live somewhere. Mm-hmm. So point is, though, did I mention it's a dive? Yes. This dive had never had a doorman before. Well, don't you know? I bet you can guess. This night, as we're walking across the street, let me back up. Our friend, as I said, she's 24. She's very tall. She's very thin, model-shaped, long blonde hair at the time, a very adorable face, a beautiful smile, a gregarious personality, and she's one smart female. She is single. So what's standing at that door? Now, the door is wide open. But we got a little guy. He looks like a blonde surfer boy out of California. Yeah. And he, he's the doorman. What? <laughs> I'm bigger than he is. What? So I just blow right past him to go right up into that door to see if we've got any new story for the night. Is there a human in there? What do you bet? No. No. So I just kind of come back out again, or I didn't really even go in if I remember correctly. Right. Trying to speed the story up. Sorry, Chad. Right. Please interject. You jump in anytime you like. Okay, so he's still pointing at me. So <laughs> we, uh, we, I'm in a very not happy mood at this point. I just say to Chad, kind of under my breath. Now we we see that the little blondes are having a nice little visit. She it looks like she's enjoying herself. He's certainly looking like he's enjoying himself. So I just move past them. There's a stoop to go sit on about. I don't know. Mid-block. Mid-block, as he's saying. I go plop myself down on that stoop, and I'm all befrundled. And I'm saying to Chad, I just want to go home. I feel like Dorothy and Oz. I just <laughs> want to go home. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to walk the blocks back. Let's call a cab. I mean, that's how badly I just wanted to go home and forget this night. Mm-hmm. Chad, I remember him being right next to me. I think he was standing. And I remember him in agreement with that. I remember looking over my shoulder back, at least at least in my memory or my mind, I see those two, the blondes, I use that word, just enjoying each other. So at least I'm grateful that she seems to have nice company. It's not all an end for her. Well, that's the last thing we remember. That's it. The next thing I know is I'm coming to, I'm not waking up, I am coming to, sitting straight up, Indian style, like I am right now on my couch, only in this case, I'm on my, we had a brass daybed at the time. I'm sitting on my daybed in my living room. I'm rubbing my arms. I feel something in my upper arm. I have memory of the in-between of that night. I have no memory of coming off that street and none whatsoever about being returned home. But I have this very full-blown memory of in-between. But in the midst of that, I am realizing as I'm looking around, I'm in my living room, and it is broad daylight. I have sun shining. It almost brings tears to my eyes as I'm recalling this. I have sun blaring through my doors. We had glass doors or glass, I don't even remember, great big glass windows. And I'm seeing sunlight blaring through, and I'm losing my mind. That's the only way I know how to put that. I am I'm losing my mind because immediately... I've got a billion things going through my head all at the same time, but most importantly, where is Chad? Where mm-hmm. is our friend? And because I can't see them, and I have no idea. So I'm starting to become beyond panicked. 
I jump up off that daybed. I'm heading into the bedroom. I'm praying. Oh, sorry. I had visual into my bedroom from where I was sitting. Again, it's these big, huge doors that open up from floor to ceiling. And you have, you know, visual if those doors are open. This was a huge place, but I could see our bed. And I saw a lump in our bed. Now, the lump had, you know, it was a lump. It was, I couldn't see a head or feet or body, but I knew something was in there. So I kept praying that that lump was mine and that that would be called Chad. Mm. I have to tell you, all humor aside, I was praying there'd be two lumps. It'd be the one time Chad got an absolute pass on having our <laughs> friend in that bed. But that didn't, right? Right. But that's not what happened. So I see, I see that lump, and I'm getting ready to go straight to the bedroom. But my bathroom is right there. Now, I got something in my upper arm that wasn't there the night before that I'm aware of. And it is freaking me out. I go in the bathroom to get a pair of tweezers to pull this, whatever this is, out of my arm. There's a lot more to that story. We can get back to that if you like. I then knew I had to find Chad. Mm -hmm. I come running out of that bathroom, get to the lump. By the time I start to Chad, Chad's up. He's come to, he's awoken because he'd been asleep or knocked out or whatever the case may be. In my case, I'm sitting straight up and my eyes popped open. I came too. So he's now out of bed moving towards me and my memory serves. He is looking extremely puzzled. I did not want to see that look. Mm. He's looking very puzzled because I'm expecting for him to explain to me that I got drugged, I got drunk, never had a drink, never a drug that night, nothing. But something's got to explain this. We were only out for an hour and a half. Our, our, our last memory was like around 11 o'clock. Well, right, I was gonna get, I was gonna let Chad get to that point. Right, so it was only an hour and a half, and that's very significant to the story. Because my point is, is that I had from 11 o'clock at night until my understanding of coming to was somewhere, like my memory of this is like, 8.30-ish, 9, somewhere in that time frame. I've got all of that missing. Chad has from 11 at night till when he came to or woke up like an hour or 30 minutes after I came to, all of his time is completely missing because I at least have memory. He has nothing. It's zip, nothing. Yeah, I was like, how did we get home last night? I know we weren't out partying. I know we didn't stay out late. There were no people. There was nothing to, you know. To drug us. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I know we weren't drugged. I know nothing like that happened. I mean, right, you can't be drugged and come in and out. I mean, you can't. That yeah. It doesn't work like that. We were conscious right. the next day, thoroughly conscious with no residue of nothing except terror. And, yeah, I remember saying, how did we get home? What happened? What happened? And he sounded a lot calmer than and, he was yeah. that she, but, and she's like, God, I was hoping you would tell me, yeah. you know? Like, and Chad, and look at my arm. Chad, look at my arm. There's something in it. And so uh, Chad, now getting his visual, because he's still trying to wake up, um, I've like got my arm shoved up in his face practically <laughs> like, look at my arm. Yeah. Well, I was so busy with dealing with this, this part of my arm is above the elbow, the left arm, few inches between the elbow and the shoulder kind of area. No, actually just, yeah, 
maybe a little less than halfway up the arm. And uh, I'm so busy just dealing with the front of my body and this part of my arm, I don't take time to look at my body. I'm not seeing the back of me or anything like that. And so Chad looks at my arm, but he sees something. And so now he's looking all the way around me and you share what you yeah, saw. And it was like, I saw these, they were four digit, very long finger, like bruises on her. Like as if somebody was holding her up on from behind her. Yeah, they were on both of her, uh, you know, upper arms, mm -hmm. you know, around her Biceps. muscle and all. Mm -hmm. And it was as if somebody was, you know, either two people, two, Something's, something's <laughs> holding her up fingers. from on each side or, you know, one from back, but she had them all around both and they were long or digit uh, prints, like hand prints, mm -hmm. no like bruising. There was no pain No pain. I don't remember it lasting long. Of Maybe course, this, a day or two. Yeah. Of course, this was before cell phones and, you know, technology. I don't even think, yeah. you know, if, know if we even owned a camera back then. I'm sure we did, but and aside you know, I didn't from that, even think folks, about And I don't blame people for asking when they, sorry for interrupting chat, but when they interject or they're always like, where's the proof or did you take pictures or whatever? I'll just remind anybody who's, you know, kind enough to hear us at all. Let me just say that is the last thing you give a flying flip about <laughs> yeah. is taking photos when you are losing your mind and you know you're not crazy. And where is our friend? Because mm -hmm. at this point now, I got Chad, and he's got me, and we have a whole lot of extra, but our friend is still missing. So I'll just move along here. For two days, I was off work. That was convenient. Chad was an entrepreneur at the time, did his own thing, so he made his schedule. So again, that was convenient because it allowed us to literally do what we did, which was we, as they call it, hunkered down and we never surfaced. We were able to order food to be brought to us, because that happens a lot here in the quarter. Mm -hmm. And uh, we literally did not, I don't remember ever sticking our heads out for a couple of days because we are mortified. We're begging and waiting for her to call us. No cell phones, landlines. She don't call. Now, now we're trying to understand what we're facing. So, we leave one to their own imagination about what all that insanity can bring a person. And so I have to go back to work in a couple of days. Now, let me mention, I have something in my upper arm that is still in my upper arm to this day that I since have had x-rays about. I got x-rays, so on and so forth. But the fact is, she's still missing, aside from all the other insanity. So when I get to work, I'm just losing my mind because I'm trying to put on an act of all's well. And uh, hallelujah, I walk in the shop, and who's there? It's her. No way. She comes, over, right, she comes over to me, and she made it real clear that she has no memory. Her story is even stranger sounding than ours, I think. And I'll get to that in a second, and then I'll hand this back off to Chad if you're interested to hear. We got regression yep. done. Chad got regression, and he has a full story about what he feels happened to him and maybe our friend. But just keep in mind, I'm not in any of his story. And in my memory, he and our friend are not in my account. So just finishing it up, when we find each other, 
she, I, I think we hugged. I can't even remember that part because I'm in shock. <laughs> I'm not sure that's really her. I'm just in so much shock. And her story is basically that she knows something happened. She doesn't have to question it. She doesn't want to question it. She can't explain it. And she took those couple of days to try to pull her head together. Now, that just told me the difference in our age. I was 40 at the time. She was 24. Mm. She's handling this like a 24-year-old, I think, might do so. I'm handling it like a 40-year-old that's lost her mind. <laughs> and uh, all the other things that I felt I was facing. So... Uh, so anyhow, that was the explanation as far as she was concerned. Before I let Chad share with you his regression, I'll mention in her story, because she's given us, she's never been willing to be public, not ever. Um, but she never asked us to change her name in that book. She never has hesitated to, we're still friends on Facebook. We are still connected all these years later. But she's never denied this story. And she's never counteracted anything that we've ever said. And we've done a lot of interviewing public on this. So the bottom line is I had her several years ago put it in writing with her signature just for my own, my own salvation that we had her permission to speak on her behalf. Mm -hmm. She loves us, I think, to speak on her behalf. And so we've certainly done so as best as we could. We wait for the day she may ever want to come forward. We live for that. But in the meantime... Her story is she remembers 11 on that street corner as well as we do. She says in her writing, in her account back then, that it's pretty, it's pretty hazy or foggy, but she still is remembering she thinks as we're accounting for it. And then the last thing she knows, it's around 11-ish, but the next thing she knows, it's somewhere between 3 and 4 in the morning. She's now behind the steering wheel of her moving car. It is moving very slowly. It's in another section of the city from where she parked the car that morning. She hit another car and uh, hit it slowly, but it broke off her rearview mirror, and she says that's what made her jolt, too. Now, she's coming, too, behind the steering wheel of the car. Mm. There's a whole lot more to her story, but the fact is, her account is, she's got time missing completely from 11 till 3, 4 in the morning. Hmm. And... Again, a great deal more to all of that. Uh, several years later, after Chad and I left the quarter, we, uh, we moved to small town Alabama, where his parents live. They're not married any longer, but they both live in the same community. It's a small community. And uh, we had tremendous high strangeness happen to us from the minute we left and got to Alabama. And the whole time, pretty much, we lived to Alabama. But we also, in the meantime, found somebody that we paid, uh, worked out a, you know, a business arrangement with to have Chad get regression. I had tried to get regression, and I paid somebody that's, that's famous, and I'll never say the name out loud, a lot of money to not have it happen. And so I just, you know, I'm so open to it, but it's going to have to come in a different measure than what I, because it's cost us a fortune and uh, we have been denied help, as far as I'm concerned, about anything that's happened to us. And I don't want to just sound like victims. But we did find somebody that Chad felt comfortable with that drove to our home at the time. She was lived a few hours away. She came to our home, and she and Chad went into a, a, another room behind a closed door 
I didn't go into it, and she regressed him. And Chad, what came out of that? Yeah, it, so what came out in, the, in my regression is, our, uh, like I just said earlier, we're kind of mid-block. Um, she's sitting on the stoop. This was I 97. Think, yeah, account. back in 97. Mm-hmm. She, uh, so she, our friend comes back and enjoy, and joins us. Uh, we're all kind of just standing there, and I'm looking kind of around the corner, uh, opposite of the the um, checkpoint. Charlie's the bar. The other, I'm looking around the corner the other way, and I see this very, very bright light, like coming from around the corner, and you know. It the street is a one-way street, and it's actually it goes the other way, so it wouldn't be like a car coming. It was just it was, and I could see this bright light through like the windows because this was the corner, so and they had windows on both sides, and I so I could see this light coming through the windows and everything, and from around the corner. So I get the girl's attention, and we walk around the corner, and there's this huge bright white like orb of light it's probably about 12 foot in diameter it's probably about 15 feet uh above the street there uh and it just kind of sits there for a second and then all of a sudden it just comes towards us and just engulfs us it just takes us in it orb ducks us my next memory is I'm walking down this corridor. There's this very short being uh, in front of me, big bulbous head, kind of a pale gray kind of skin tone, um, you know, kind of flesh, fleshy gray. I never saw him from... Uh, I only saw him from behind. I never saw his face or anything like that that I remember. Now he wasn't real thin like the grays that you see on TV. Mm-hmm. He was. He had kind of substance to him. You know, he was kind of almost dwarfish, or like a you know a small person. Yes. And you know he kind of waddled when he walked. <clears throat> and so I'm following him. He's got like this skin tight uh, one piece onesie on jumpsuit. Uh, in black out of the corner of my eye to my left I could see a tall uh, female blonde female walking beside me that now this does describe that our friend that was with us but I didn't turn to look to see if it was her so I don't know who or what it was who who was beside me so I'm following this little this little being and we kind of go to the down the corridor, the the walls, the the floor, the ceiling, no seams, no rivets, no bolts, no nothing. Very smooth, kind of a meta, metallic gray. Kind of, kind of the hallway kind of turns to the to the right a little bit, you know, kind of like almost like it's a, a circle or a big circle. My next memory is I'm in this room. And this room is very, very dark. It seems infinite. It just seems like it's huge. I couldn't, you know, it was dark, so I couldn't tell how big it was. 
So I'm in the, I'm sitting in this chair. It's almost kind of like a felt like almost like a dentist chair, but a little more comfortable. Mm. Off to my left, I could see a tall or yeah, tall blonde female laying on an examining table. There were three beings around her, one on each side and then one at her head. They were like probably seven, eight foot tall, very tall, very buggish or maybe praying mantisy looking. You know, mm-hmm. their their mouths were kind of lowered to their down closer to their chin, big eyes. Uh, their arms were kind of crooked, kind of like a, a, a praying mantis. Uh, they were wearing these very long cloaks, kind of like, um, kind of like the Grim Reaper, but with, with that, but without the hoodie. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't have the hood on. You know, or a Jesuit priest or something. You know, very flowing, long black robe or gown or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. So, that the person on the uh, table, I couldn't. It was kind of blurred out. I couldn't see who was there. Uh, she didn't seem to be in distress or anything like that. So I turn around and I focus back on to my immediate. Now there was a little bit of light like around me and around the, this person on the, but as far as like, if you tried to see like the walls or anything, you couldn't because it was just. So I focused my attention back into my immediate. And when I turn around and look to my right, there's this little blue being, and he's probably three and a half, four foot tall, very thin, big uh, almond-shaped eyes, you know, not much of a nose, kind of not much of a mouth, uh, don't remember ears or anything like that. Uh, and, you know, he looks like the grays that you would see on TV, but he was this vibrant, vibrant, beautiful blue. His aura, his presence, seemed to be that of ancient knowledge, professor, scientist, holy, uh, um, spiritual, you know, it was just like this beautiful. He goes over and he picks up this box and he has it in his right hand. He takes his left hand, now he's only got four digits, you know, real long fingers. He takes his hand and he puts it into the side of the box. And when he pulls his hand out, there's this kind of like that slime that the kids play with. But it was yep. blue, just like him, you know, very kind of almost kind of see through it, you know, kind of translucent. But it had this uh, blue tone to it, you know, just like he was. And there were like these little sparkly, crystally, uh, metallic, uh, glittery flakes in it. Now, I don't even remember him setting the box down, but he takes his right hand, and he's again, he's only got four digits, so he, he takes his two outer fingers, folds them into his palm, and he's like his other two fingers straight up almost like a peace sign or what you see, uh, like um, depictions of Jesus or Buddha or something, you know. Yes. He's got his hands up. And he, he kind of puts it up kind of close to this stuff that's kind of free-floating. It's free-floating above his hand, you know, an inch or two. And when he does this peace sign thing, this stuff starts spinning. 
and it goes faster and faster and faster and faster. And the faster it gets, the blueness and the sparkly, metally flaky looking stuff kind of dissipate out of it and are kind of like rotating around it, uh, like, you know, us and the sun and everything, you know, kind of rotating around it. And it kind of starts slowing down and it turns into this like double pointed crystal. Very clean, very clear crystal. And I remember kind of thinking to him or thinking, why are you showing this to me? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an engineer. This is something very, you know, important. Why are you showing this to me? And he repeated back to me. Now, this was all, you know, through the mind. He said that I will know in time or when it's time. My next memory is I'm in this room. There's only three walls. One that's uh, there's two very straight walls and one that's kind of concave. And I'm sitting there now. The walls are very metallic, again, very smooth. No rivets, no bolts, no seams. You know, floor, ceiling, walls. And there's this. Now this is a weird part for me, but it's part of my. It's part of the my experience. There's this like overstuffed looking leather chair in the middle of the of the rooms. And I remember thinking to myself, well, it looks comfortable, but it's not. Now how I came up with that conclusion, I don't know. So I focused my attention back to the wall that's kind of concave. And I walk a little closer to it. And what I thought was a solid wall was I could see through it at this point. And I could see like the stars and it was like, you know, I was out in space somewhere, you know, out in the galaxy and there's stars and blinking stars and, you know, planets and all this. Now, you know, all off into a distance, it wasn't like it was, you know, could see a planet right there, but, you know, I could tell I was somewhere out in space or what I thought was. And I'm kind of just sitting there in awe. And then all of a sudden, right outside this wall window, comes this little craft. And it's probably about three foot long. It's uh, maybe two foot wide. It's kind of shaped like a rugby ball or a football kind of thing. You know, and that's not so sharp points as a football or like a rugby ball kind of mm-hmm. And it had like all these little blink. Uh, well, so at first it just shoots past me. Like, you know, and it gets like eight, nine foot, ten, maybe ten foot past me, and then it stops in, on a dime, and it comes back. And it was like it was surprised to see me as I was it <laughs> kind of reaction almost, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it all makes it's, sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and so I'm looking at it, and I mean, I could have touched it if the wall, you know, wasn't there. The I, wall it, it was that close, you know. And so, and it's got like these little blinking lights on it and little wiry metal things kind of shifting around on it and antennas going, you know, around on it. And I I could remember, you know, feeling like it was intelligent. Now, whether there was something organic inside or if it was, you know, that, or not organic, whatever it was, it felt intelligent. It sat there for maybe... 30, 45 seconds maybe at the most, you know, kind of 
us looking at each other and you know it felt like they were on the inside going look at the monkey in the cage mom you know <laughs> yeah. kind of thing you know and it sat there for a few seconds and then shot off and my next memory is waking up in bed the next one wow i don't even know what to say to that <laughs> right, right. If, if i could wow. I just, i'll interject quickly because i can feel time must just be really passing and if we must close, I'd like to mention, you had asked me earlier, maybe I'm, I'm thinking as we started creating this interview or maybe prior, if mm -hmm. we ever heard or dealt with growling again, mm -hmm. yep. from the one experience where we it was captured over an interview we were doing, um, I'd like to mention now, if I might, kind of backing up now that Chad has shared his experience in that regression, of course, our yep. friend... Our friend, who has no memory, as I said to you prior, to being taken and then behind the steering wheel of the car, a few days prior to uh, maybe a week, I, maybe a little longer, I'm not exactly sure, but fairly recently before we were had that night of war abduction, she had shared with me, and I think she may have only shared this with me because of maybe because I'm mixed native blood. I'm not sure, just camaraderie, but I don't think it's something she went around and told anybody else. And that was, she had been dating a guy for a minute in her life. And mm -hmm. I had met him, Chad and I had met him. And he was her polar opposite, as we described her tall, long blonde hair, very gregarious, light. He was, he's just as adorable, but he was her opposite. He had long black hair and he had a darkness to him. Mm -hmm. His name was Will and I called him Dark Boy. Or... <laughs> you know, something of that nature. Uh, again, quite adorable, but absolutely her opposite. So on the day she decides that she's gonna break up with him, but again, they only saw each other for a very short time, but apparently he had much bigger plans for her than she did for him. She invited him over to her house. She lived in a duplex at the time. She keeps him out on the front porch. They stand out on the front porch, and this is broad daylight, so in the afternoon. She says they're very close because she's a very affectionate being. She loves to hug. And she's very affectionate. She's standing very close to him, like maybe just a couple of inches in front of each other's face. And she says to me that as she's breaking up with him, like she's doing the, again, I'm paraphrasing, I like your butt sort of kind of story. <laughs> mm -hmm. She says he is starting to change emotionally. He's becoming very agitated. Mm. He is... Uh, and it's obvious enough to her that she's very aware that he's changing like very quickly. And it surprised her apparently because before she knows it, she said he turned into a wolf. A wolf. Really? She, she said she turned her head away instantly in shock. She looked back. He must have flipped a uh, human again and then flipped a second time right in front of her face. Now, this is a woman who does not talk this way. She doesn't mm -hmm. talk this way. She's gone on to get a degree in environmental science. Nice. She's all about science. And me mm -hmm. too. Us too. We're all about proof. Whatever mm -hmm. that means. But this is that's her story. She's sticking with it. That when she turned her head and looked back, he shifted a second time. And she said, she called him on it. And I know she did. She said, again, I'll clean the language up. You, in a very startled, but very direct, very direct manner, you just turned into an effing wolf. And she said he responded in a very startled voice. 
who saw that. Well, what? Now, that happened to her right before this happens to us, the three of us. Was, can I just, up, can I just ask is, quickly, was it a bipedal wolf or was it like a wolf? Like his face turned into a wolf. Oh, the right. oh wow. Yeah. That, and she's so close that that's all I imagine she's seen mm-hmm. is that head. And so, uh, anyhow, when she comes to behind the steering wheel of her moving car, well, let me just say, she was never going to see him again anyway. Mm-hmm. But definitely was not going to see him again. And that night or that morning that she comes to behind that car, that car is going to his house. Now, he lives in a not nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's like a fourplex, a big, huge house turned into like a fourplex. He's got a downstairs apartment. Uh, like any other creepy movie, this is a perfectly written creepy movie. She says, you know, she pulls up. And uh, uh, all the lights are out, of course. It's 3, 4 in the morning. And there's a big iron gate or something around this property. And there's a fence. I mean, a, a locked door, gate, door, whatever. Not on this morning. That's wide open. She walks up the stairs and up on his porch. And she says, his, you know, front door is open and maybe a screen door. And she can see inside. And he's sitting there under a overhead lamp, I think, playing guitar. She said, she steps in, and he puts the guitar down and looks at her and says something to the effect of, I've been or we've been waiting for you. Oh. (laughs) Right. She said, now he is guiding her into a room. It's her last memory. Sorry. Lays her down on a bed, and she says she cries night. She doesn't cry. She's not a crier. She said she cried herself almost hysterically to sleep. She said it was only maybe a couple of hours because the sun looks like it's just starting to come up. Her eyes open. She wakes up. She says she's completely dressed. It doesn't appear that he has done anything to her. But she said she got the you-know-what out of there and never looked back. Mm -hmm. That's her story. And, again, she's sticking with it. Wow. I'm going and finish off the and story then again, my him. story is a whole other story, and I realize that, again, time is short. So we're just so grateful, again, to have you well, finish the, interested in about Sorry? About Dark Boy. What about? Uh, oh, okay. Rick. So, so then, just as Chad's reminding me, finishing off again about what I call Dark Boy, Wolfie mm-hmm. Boy, uh, Chad and I have left this area. This happened to us in 97. We left here in about 98. We went out to the southwest where I'm originally from. We spent a couple years kind of in that area. We returned in 2000 to New Orleans. Uh, Chad and I had a complete, and we're honest to admit it, we had a complete breakdown. And we fell apart as a couple. Chad decided to go to where his parents were in Alabama. I chose to stay behind here in the quarter. And that was not a good move on either part because both of us were suffering tremendously uh, just in generalities and the fact that, you know, we had parted with each other. So while I'm still here alone, I'm getting off work and I worked in the quarter. I'm coming out of work one day and it's a beautiful afternoon and the streets are packed like what used to be normal except that night the three of us were taken. Mm -hmm. And... uh, I hear somebody yelling my name, a guy yelling my name across the crowd, Alta, Alta, and I look over, 
Well, this guy happens to be a giant. He is, no kidding, almost seven feet tall. And he's very thin, so he's even taller looking. And he's originally from Montauk, New York, if you know where I'm speaking about. Mm-hmm. So Montauk has got a lot of high strangeness associated with it, period. And that's where this guy comes from. So he, now I don't know any of this stuff back in the day. I discovered all that since. So he's been gone for several years. He's a traveling artist. He happens to be there. He wants to get connected. We go over, we're just, we say we're going to sit down at a, you know, a little outdoor pub and have a, have a drink and play catch up. We're sitting down. I ordered a beer and I think he ordered a Coke. He's rolling a cigarette, carrying his tobacco, his little box or whatever. And I remember him rolling a cigarette. And of course, he's in shock. Where is Chad? Because it's Chad and Alta. In fact, we call ourselves Chowta. I mean, it's just how it's <laughs> We're right. one entity now. Yeah. <laughs> one, entity, one entity. That's right. And so he's like just in a lot of shock. Well, I'm still in shock. And uh, I'm telling him, I, I have no idea what happened, yada, yada, yada. Well, he all of a sudden shifts from acting like he cared about us to, hey, have you heard about Will? I'm like, hmm. Will? What? Dark boy? Hmm. What? I didn't even know you knew him. Well, that's not so unusual because in this in small community, when you live here and you're local, artists all know each other and mm-hmm. restaurants and bar people all know each other. And so it just, but it shocked me because it came out of nowhere, out of nowhere. So then he proceeds to tell me as I look at him like, uh, no, what? And he's like, he went around telling everybody that he had to catch a bus and he had to get out of New Orleans because the aliens were after him. Oh, now, wow. When, when, when our friend, his name Rich, mm-hmm. made those comments to me, I started to absolutely become unglued inside. And I'm looking around me like I'm on candid camera. I am positive that this is a joke and the word punk is happening to Alta. And it's not very funny, and I'm not appreciating this. And what the H are you talking about? Kind of whatever. Well, in that same breath, he then tells me immediately he's got to go. He's got to go. He stands up. I think he hugged me while my mouth's still hanging open. Not easy to do. And off he goes. Yeah, that's the that's the dark boy story, the wolfy boy story. Wow. And you've never yeah. seen you've never seen or heard of Will ever since? Mm. Not a no, word. no, that, that not I can remember. We mm. did discover Chad share with her what we discovered about him, his mom oh, or his yeah, grandmother. Yeah, I think I he think was raised by his grandmother, I think it was. And um mom or grandmother. And but she was what they call a swamp witch mm. uh, down here. She's mm. I think they were from like way down in the bayou. Mm-hmm. Way down in the way swamps. down, you know practitioners of something yeah yeah and he said that and they Certainly say shape-shifting they say that the swamp witch now they have what they call the rougarou up here yep yeah or down here the yep. root they call it the root yeah yeah you're yep. can, 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 you, yeah yep they call it the rougarou you know and it's you know like the dog man uh, the dog man you know they yep. even have a a, a rougarou festival. festival down here right. once oh year. no way i didn't know that uh, 
Yeah, it's down in Homa. Now this year it's going to have to probably uh, yeah. be virtual. I yeah, think, I think it's virtual time, this like, year. But I mean, but they, it's pretty amazing. Do check it yeah, out. Yeah, it's called the yeah. Riveru Festival, and it's it's the whole they, town. The whole town participates, and they do the thriller thing down the street one night or two a couple of nights. All the townspeople yeah, learn how every, to dance. Everybody has to come and learn and, the dance, and you yeah, know it's they. It's a huge festival. They've yeah. Vendors. Nice. We're used yeah. to it now. This is again until all of this. Yeah. That's no telling what happens but, now, but yeah. with these festivals, but uh, so, but they say that the swamp witch is always accompanied by a rougarou. Ah, so, like a familiar mystery, high strangeness, yeah. but certainly involved in our story because, again, my experience, my memory has got nothing to do. It would seem like with Chad's or hers. Mm-hmm. It's just all. Maybe it's that gumbo they make here where it's all, <laughs> everything thrown into a pie. Is that certainly what it feels like on, you know, many occasions? So yeah, if we anyone have... is ever interested out there, that is uh, our book. It's called Orbducted in the French Quarter. As I've said, we created the word. Actually, our publisher, we owe that. We feel genius to him of creating that word for us. And because it certainly describes exactly as Chad's mm. regression would say what happened to us. And then we also seem to be either foolishly or who knows, just our truth, the only ones that have ever been public using mm-hmm. our names with anything like this happening in the French Quarter. Because, of course, the Quarter is only known for vampire and voodoo and yep. ghosty and so on. So, yeah, this is a. But I'd also like to mention for anybody interested in this part of the country and what's happened to us here. NASA also happens to be here, and most people Ooh. don't realize that this is NASA as I well. I didn't know that. Now, I have a lot of thought and a lot of history huh. investigation about high strangeness with NASA. That's so, interesting. I think so as well. But, yeah, in the show notes, in the show notes, I'll... Our little book, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I was just going to say in the show notes, I'll add the name of the book, and if there's any links that you want me to add, that way people can just look for it easily yeah well you can find us on Facebook um, or abducted in the French Quarter mm-hmm. we also sell the book on Etsy okay uh, and if you're local or in the French Quarter um, uh, you, you can pick it up at um, where Alta's works right now it's uh, called Earth Odyssey uh, in the French Quarter they they sell it there also That's right nice okay and then I'll mention you'll see on the front of the book as close as it was possible to create the blue being that Chad had the encounter with and he speaks so highly of, that's the front of the book. Now, the, the being is a bit scarier looking than what Chad has Yeah, mine described. was a little softer than and the, what the... And the blue was much more vibrant color. But my point is, is do turn the book over, and on the back of it, you'll see my rendition through an artist of the... I was with a blonde woman in my encounter a blonde humanoid female. Mm-hmm. Now everybody likes to come back at me and call her a Nordic or a this or a that and I just suggest I didn't need to ask her who she was. My experience was so amazing. Like I think you hear in Chad's version with the blue being, mine was so amazing with her. I didn't care who she was. I just wanted and chose to be with her. Mm-hmm. And so she, in my mind, I didn't know until I was having the experience, was my version of the most beautiful, physically beautiful female I'd ever been connected to in my life. And so that's what we try to express on the back of the book. 
when you see that rendition of her. And yeah, so it's a whole lot to it. And we're just so grateful for anybody interested in hearing about it. And we're very open also, please, if anybody is hearing us or, or interested, do you ever care to have people safe to share with? That would be us. Um, we know there's a lot of people out there that things are happening to and they're just too scared of the attack. Mm -hmm. And we certainly understand that, but we're always open to questions and suggestions and what have you. And that's the main, one of the main reasons that I started this podcast is because I know people around the world are having these strange experiences and they don't feel like they can talk to anybody about it, family or friends. So when they hear encounters like this, then they know they're not alone. That's right. Right. Yeah. They're right. not crazy. Because, as yeah. I mentioned, you know, we spent two days in solitary confinement with the mm. missing of our friend. Yeah. That's just not something, that's not something anybody ever wants to go through. No. And we just know it's not only us now, that there are others. And so, yeah, you know, just even from the humanitarian, we're so grateful to you for putting yourself out there and allowing and having people like us, well, thank you. you know, be able to share and be safe. And we're just so grateful. We love Canada. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you to get here. So what's that say again on your bucket list? Oh yes. I, Oh yeah. It's one of my bucket list locations that I really want to go to. I've, if I felt That's that true. way in a long time. Um, we'll I just want to ask before. Oh, that would be nice. I'd have to let you know. Absolutely. Oh, we'd come here and meet you for sure. Yeah. I wanted to ask, too, you had mentioned, um, just before we sign off here, you had mentioned having an x-ray for your arm. Did they ever find anything? Sure. So the x-rays, you know, what I discover about the object, I'll tell you again, it's a whole show's worth just to hear what I was put through by the doctor. Mm -hmm. That is mind-blowing. If people ever want to discard me, oftentimes they'll do it to me over the medical story of all of this because nobody, I used to work in traditional medicine. Mm -hmm. I can't comprehend how I was treated and what happened to me and Chad, but me mm -hmm. in particular as being the object by a doctor, a medical doctor and his staff. But ultimately the object chose not to take a picture the first two go rounds. I have an x-ray tech who is going crazy because you can touch and feel this object in my upper arm it's just underneath the top layer of skin but what's mm -hmm. so bizarre is it seems to move now I can't feel oh. that as I've told anybody that would hear me because if so I'm sure I wouldn't have stayed alive that would have just been too mortifying to me mm. but the fact is is it does seem to bury itself if it chooses to and on this particular day I finally got it worked out Chad and I to get these x-rays the object decided it was going to play tricks. There's no other way to call it. It wouldn't take a picture the first two times. Now, the doctor could feel and touch it. The x-ray tech could feel and touch it, but it was not showing. What, what I got the first two times on those x-rays were x-rays of an arm that mm. looked bare. Now, by the third time, she's going crazy. The doctor doesn't want anything more to do with me or Chad. There's a mm -hmm. lot to that story. I finally, I just kind of throw my head back. I remember kind of closing my eyes and just saying, throw a dog a bone. I've got to have this x-ray. It's like, mm -hmm. I've had enough. Yeah. It's enough. And, uh, and it took a picture finally. So um, what you see is 
clearly something there. It's not very big. It's, I don't know, I've described it like the size of a old gum, Chiquita, or I'm trying chiclet. to think of. Um, the tiny chiclets. Are, oh, yeah. It's not chiclets. Yeah. yeah. It's very, it's, very, very small. Yeah, it's very small, but it's very obvious. Grain of rice. It's, mm-hmm. I, to me, it's bigger than a grain of rice, yeah. what I feel. I think it's it's just very hard to describe. It's not ginormous by any means, but it is certainly large enough that you can feel it. You can feel everything around it. Hmm. Sometimes, the, sometimes it is so sharp feeling that it should be puncturing my skin. Oh, and yet there's never been an ounce of pain with any of it. Hmm. What I have been put through is the emotional insanity. Yeah, of, of how I've been treated over this. But ultimately, what I've discovered is nobody seems to care about these objects, and I find that the more disturbing of all of the story. So my take on it is I've never found anybody, we've never found anybody who takes us seriously or seems interested mm-hmm. in the fact that I have an object in my upper arm now since 97 that is uh, there, and there is no evidence of it to the naked eye. How is that possible? That's not yeah. possible. And so um, that's the first object. I have a second object in my wrist of the same arm that refused hmm. to take a picture, period. I went to another doctor. She, she retook pictures of the upper object. They came out perfect. They didn't play tricks on this doctor because she had an open mind. Mm-hmm. She knew what I was coming for. It had been arranged for me. So that time, that worked beautifully. But the object in my wrist would not photo. She said she knew something was there, but that I would have to have an MRI. Well, let me suggest, we have no health insurance. Mm-hmm. We are, you those know, are we're like so many in this world. Mm-hmm. And those things cost a fortune. Yeah. And for what reason? With nobody seeming to care. So, yeah. That's what we've discovered about that. Have you ever tried to get it removed or does it just, it moves around? Well, you know, Whitley Strieber, if you're aware, and I, I'm thinking you know who I'm speaking about, or, or do you know who I'm talking about, Whitley no. Strieber? No, So Whitley Strieber was the first, to the best of my knowledge, back in the 80s, who, put the, who kind of coined the grays. And mm-hmm. he wrote a book called Communion. And that set the world on end because he's a famous author who's had several movies made out of his horror stories. One of them is The Howling. Uh, oh, another okay. is The Hunter. Yep. These movies, well, these are all his stories, his oh. books that were created in the movies. Well, Whitley Strieber is a lifelong experiencer, and so he finally wrote this book, Communion, and he's the one that pretty much turned the world on to this because people came out of the woodwork from all over the world saying that they were having these gray experiences with, they call them aliens, ETs. Mm-hmm. I don't even use any of this language, but... So Whitley's has a show called Dreamland, and he's had it for several years, a radio show. And it was him and his wife for many years. She just passed a couple years ago. He's still in the game. And he is, again, world-renowned. He has an object. I use the word unknown. I don't call them implants because in my case, I don't have any memory of it being implanted. Mm -hmm. And I always say to anybody who keeps telling me that that's what this is, well, my point is, is what say you that it didn't come with the package? I don't know that it hasn't been there all my life mm-hmm. and that something happened to make that obvious. I don't know that. Now, other people claim they've had experiences of memory of objects being implanted. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't discard that. I'm just speaking about my experience. Whitley has what I feel he calls, I'm pretty sure he calls an implant, that's in his ear, ear low, if I'm not mistaken. He has a video, if it has not been removed, that he's had online for a billion years. I think this was done in the early 90s. He had a doctor, a medical doctor, who they decided, let's put this on video and let's get this out. Let's get it. We're going to take this out. Mm -hmm. So he's the first case ever where it was done on video where you can actually see that the doctor with his scalpel in there is chasing this thing around. I have heard of this. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this is it. So that man's name is Whitney Strieber. Okay. So once, once I understood, oh, we got audio and, you know, there's other history out there with these objects moving, I'm not crazy. This object moves. Mm-hmm. So, with to just sorry for the long answer, but it's in okay. regards to having it removed, Chad and I both, if I'm not mistaken, Chad, weren't you feeling in the beginning also concerned or nervous about that idea that right. it could harm me? Or, right. Or we didn't because we know I mean, nothing. Right. We didn't know if I'd die. We didn't mm-hmm. know anything. Mm-hmm. And so, so since then, we've just decided collectively. We're just going to leave this alone. And because my other take on this is, let's say whatever did this, if it put something there, what means they're not going to put me back through this again? Mm-hmm. Well, I knew that years ago when this all happened to me originally. And then I'll be dang, you know, uh, in 2006, somewhere in that time frame, I had another experience and another object's in my wrist. So... Getting them removed for what reason, right? You know, I have I, mm-hmm. I can't find any purpose any longer unless anybody was ever going to be wise enough to be interested in what is going on here. I have not found people of that nature yet. I know I hear a lot of talk, and there's a lot of people who've made big names for themselves in the cottage industry, but I haven't. We haven't found anyone interested in us yet. And I try to find my gratefulness because I'm probably going to be grateful that that's the case. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, people are getting so strange and so strange that you just never know any longer. I just keep expecting something out there is praying, looking after us and caring for us and not going to let us in harm's way. That's the only thing that makes sense because we go public. Boy. Well, let's hope they're monitoring you just um, uh, out of goodwill. I certainly desire, I will say at the very end of my encounter with that blonde woman, mm-hmm. I had a, a telepathy, she telepathy me, uh, I started becoming terrified at the very end of my encounter, because up until that I was in bliss, mm. but at the very end I became terrified, My just internally I was becoming terrified, and I remember her mentally saying to me in the most beautiful tone, I can't duplicate or uh, imagine the reality of the beauty of the tone. But her words were English, and she called me by name, and she said, Alta, don't be afraid. They're just scanning you. Hmm. And then I came to sitting on my bed the, night, the day bed the next day. Yeah. So it is interesting, your word monitoring, scanning. Yeah. We just pray it's all in good good faith and good health here. Exactly. <laughs> so. Can you Anyhow, believe it? And thank you so much for all of this time. Oh, and thank you. It's been two hours. Can you believe it? Oh, really? Yeah, I know. I just looked at the times. Like, holy Hannah. Well, this is we very intriguing. For, 
allowing you to be parted from everyone this long. And oh, thank you. We'll, we'll no. leave you with, um, please, if you do ever do, when you do come this direction, you certainly mm -hmm. let us know. Oh, for sure, and yes. We would and be here to meet you and greet you, and Chad knows all the best everything here. Oh, Food, yeah. Places, so on, so. Definitely, and if ever you're in this neck of the woods, please let me know. We absolutely will. It is our desire to come to your neck of the woods, so you just never know. We just yeah. can't right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> We're not letting anybody in. <laughs> yeah, if it's ever allowed. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw a post the other day that uh, it Canada must think that uh, the downstairs neighbor is a meth head or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't uh, seen that. That's funny. Funny like that. Yeah, they won't yeah. let us. Well, That's we, funny. if we ever can, we will. And for sure. And thanks so much for everything. And uh, let us know that your thoughts about our little book. We would so appreciate. It. We, I will. We like yes. Your, we like your opinion. We don't uh, ask that often from too many. So I will definitely tell you. Yes. Just hang tight here. for hang tight for a sec here after uh, after I stop recording here we'll just chat for a couple of minutes but thank you so very much and like I said I'll uh, add links in the show notes so people will be able to find your book and and whatnot so thank you so awesome. very much thank you well we enjoyed it we enjoy sharing As our, did I. our experiences it was very intriguing thank you. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 